Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. 210 for Jeffries, 194 for Jim Jordan. 25 people voting in another direction altogether. The Honorable Byron Donalds is, of the state of Florida has received two. The Honorable Tom Emmer of the state of Minnesota has received one. Lee Zeldin of the state of New York has received four. The Honorable Steve Scalise of the state of Louisiana has received eight. The Honorable Mike Garcia of the state of California has received one. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California has received two. The Honorable Bruce Westerman of the state of Arkansas has received one. Yeah, and none of those people seem to be changing their mind regarding Congressman Jim Jordan. Tony Katz, a Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. We were told that the third time is the charm. Three is a magic number. Yes, it is. It's a magic number. Somewhere in the But that was not to be. Even with the press conference this morning from Jim Jordan, it didn't move anybody. It didn't move the needle. Congressman Greg Pence of the Indiana 6th District was there. He voted. He's watching the insanity. He is our guy on the inside. And Congressman... um, this this is your Groundhog Day all over again. You did 15 of these with Speaker McCarthy. What's the story on the ground, sir? Well, the story is... Ah, we lost the congressman for a second there. You know, very disappointed. Are, there you go. You Keep there? going, sir. Yeah, so uh, very disappointing. We're going to have a conference meeting here at 1 o'clock, which means Republicans are going to meet again and talk about what our next steps are, but... Uh, it, it looks pretty tough for Jim Jordan. Uh, he picked up three more negatives, three more no's. Uh, I don't, I don't think he can get the votes. I don't think he can get there with, uh, with, uh, Speaker McCarthy. Uh, he, he got a few more no's, but then he kept going down every vote. In this case, Jim has gone up every vote. We had a three hour marathon meeting yesterday in conference. And I don't know how long this one will be today, but it wasn't productive yesterday. None of the people that had voted no, their their minds were not changed after meeting with Jim. Uh, and I spoke to them on the floor. They're, st- they're all very, very hard nuns. And three more people came out. And I do know there are a few, maybe a handful, maybe more that are not interested in uh, Jordan if we continue forward. So it doesn't look good for Jim. So this is uh, now getting more confusing because he does this press conference this morning where he doesn't, was he going to bow out? Was he going to say, here's why you should vote for me, Republicans? It's just a very, of all this buildup, it comes to, we need to elect a speaker. And then he answers a few questions and he goes. Was that press conference this morning uh, a way of trying to persuade people to his side? And what is keeping, as a follow-up, what is the, the real sticking point keeping some of these people from New York and other places from voting for him? 
Well, I think the purpose of that, uh, his press conference, I'm actually walking out of the house right now, going back to my office. The purpose of that uh, press conference was uh, to send a signal that, and as he said, all the American people want me to be the next speaker. So I think it was to put pressure on my peers that were voting against him. The, the diversity of the reasons that they're voting against him is very broad. Uh, a lot there, I would tell you that there's probably five of my peers that are voting against him because uh, of threats to them or their wives back home. Uh, they're very angry about that. They think Jim did not do enough. He didn't come out strong enough in opposition of those threats. I think there's today, I heard there are at least a dozen officers back in the district that are, uh, that are, that are uh, rallying against the congressperson that voted against Jim. Uh, so there, there's a very large concerted effort uh, uh, to pressure uh, my peers that are voting no, but uh, they didn't bend today. And so that's, you know, we went from 20 to 22 to 25. That's not a good, that's not good. Talking to Congressman Greg Pence as he uh, heads back to his office, leaving uh, the the House chamber. Your vote has been with Jim Jordan on on these. Was it again today? Yes, it was. I I believe that I follow the rules, Tony. And our rules uh, say that uh, when we have a conference, we vote the majority uh, votes and selects a speaker or any other office. Uh, that that is who we get behind when we go out into the public. And so uh, I've, that's the way I vote. And, you know, it's it's been a 100 years since the Republican Party didn't do that, where now we take our fight this year in 2023, we take our fight to the floor uh, in front of everybody else instead of getting it done in conference. But people aren't following the rules. The eight that got rid of McCarthy didn't follow the rules. Uh, the continuing resolution, the folks didn't follow the rules. And uh, today, people aren't following the rules that they vote as the majority so dictated. So now that we have seen on three different votes, talking to Congressman Greg Pence of the Indiana 6th District, we have seen that Jim Jordan can't make this happen. Will Jim Jordan, is there any thought that Jim Jordan's going to say, okay, it's not me? Or is there some level of bargaining? We keep hearing about how the New York delegation specifically, they want an increase in the SALT deduction, the state and local tax deduction. This was came through under President Trump. Uh, so they can go back to their district and say, you see, we got you some more tax breaks. Uh, so therefore, uh, we're, we're, we're all good to go. And that's why we voted for Jordan. And now you love us. Please uh, vote for us again. All politics are local. Is there a deal to be made anywhere? No, Jim said yesterday, Tony, that he's not going to cut any deals with anybody. And that was in our three-hour conference meeting. Folks very specifically asked that no deals be cut. If any deals were made, that we were all aware of them. That salt uh, changes. That's DOA. That that horse has left the barn, Tony. Nobody's 
the Republicans aren't. We're the majority. We're not going to get behind that. It, you know, it penalizes Indiana, and so that that's not going to happen. Who's next up, sir? Who is next up? Because we've also heard that the deal to give uh, Patrick McHenry, the Speaker Pro Tem, expanded powers is DOA because he won't do it. He refuses to do anything, even if you were to authorize it. Yeah, Tony, I wish I knew. I'm, uh, I'll find out, I guess, at one o'clock at the new conference meeting uh, what what is a possible next step. But uh, I think as you and I talked before, uh, I'm getting fatigued with uh, the same old conversations to actually since September 12th when we came back from break where uh, we're, we just can't seem to manage ourselves. I think we have a I, I will tell you this also, Tony, we have a leadership problem right now. We actually have three speakers. OK, we have McHenry, who is the speaker pro tem who runs the floor. We have Jim Jordan, who is the speaker elect who runs our schedule whether we go to the floor whether we go to conference and then mccarthy is still very involved as you saw today he nominated jim jordan he's still very involved and he's the one that that argued for uh, enhancing the powers of the speaker pro tem yesterday so we're leaderless having uh, being a marine uh that's no way to operate uh, to have uh, three different leaders, that's not that's not good for business. That right there is Congressman Greg Pence of the Indiana 6th District. Uh, you know, it, one could joke, and I could tell you that, you know, if, if elected, I will serve. Uh, and I mean that. I, I, I will be speaker if only for a day. None of this. We, we've reached the point, I guess, of, of no longer funny. And what I'm hearing from you is what I'm hearing. There seems to be no end in sight, and we are ticking down to that November, I believe, 17th deadline when the continuing resolution is over. Well, Tony, if you know the listeners, whether you whether you're for Jim Jordan or not, is it's, that becomes moot. Uh, the reality is he does not have the votes. He's not going to get the votes there. If he loses four, he'll won't, he'll never get elected. And And I know for a fact, talking to. There are six never, ever hard no's, so he can't get there. So that's what you saw yesterday afternoon and then today, this morning, is more people are going, Jim, you need to go. Jim, you need to go. Jim, Jim, step down. Uh, and uh, he's, we'll see if, he's, if he uh, takes a different course of action this afternoon. Congressman Greg Pence of the Indiana Sixth, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. We'll catch up with you again soon. Much more to get to. No speaker yet. I'm Tony Katz. Biden addresses the nation. The question before us is, did we like his address? Did Biden connect? in his speech about wanting to fund both Ukraine and Israel. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, Ukraine in their fight against Russia, Israel in their response to the terrorist organization Hamas, supported by Representative Cory Bush, Representative Rashida Tlaib, Representative Ilhan Omar, Representative Andre Carson. And if you tell me that saying they support Hamas is too harsh, 
I will say to you that the total unwillingness to condemn a terrorist organization, the total desire to condemn Israel, this nonsensical demand for a ceasefire while American hostages are at stake, leads me in a direction. You're more than welcome to disagree. I think I can prove my point pretty well, though. Some things just are. What is the expression in the Latin? Uh, it's, it's a legal term. Uh, the thing is self-evident. Let me know on Twitter, X, at Tony Katz. Uh, the, the thing itself is proof of the thing. There's an expression, and uh, not being a, a, a lawyer, although I did watch three episodes of Matlock once, and that should count. Um, sometimes you just know it's true. But did Biden move anybody with this? On October 7th, terror attacks have triggered deep scars and terrible memories in the Jewish community. Today, Jewish families worried about being targeted in school, wearing symbols of their face walking down the street, or going out about their daily lives. And I know many of you in the Muslim American community, the Arab American community, the Palestinian American community, and so many others are outraged and hearty, saying to yourselves, here we go again with Islamophobia and distrust we saw after 9-11. Just last week, a mother was brutally stabbed. A little boy, here in the United States, a little boy who just turned six years old was murdered in their home outside of Chicago. His name was Wadiha, Wadiha, a proud American, a proud Palestinian-American family. We can't stand by and stand silent when this happens. We must, without equivocation denounce anti-semitism we must also without equivocation denounce islamophobia and to all you hurting those of you hurting i want you to know i see you you belong and i want to say this to you you're all america now americans are americans this is true and we have a lot of different religions and a lot of different feelings and good we can we can handle all of this I find it objectionable, the president's commentary there. What happened to this six-year-old in Illinois is disgusting and despicable. He was murdered for being Muslim. That's why he was killed. We have seen Jews killed for being Jews. We have seen black people killed for being black. We have seen gay people killed for being gay. It is despicable. So is the random murder that takes place in Pick the City every day. It is despicable. It is beneath us, yet these horror shows happen. I don't approve of it. I don't condone it. Not in any way. I condemn every part of it. But when President Biden, in discussing the terrorist attacks against Israel, wants to say he's worried about Islamophobia, that, that dog won't hunt. That's a... That's a real insult. That is, in, in, in so many ways, purposefully confusing a subject. Let me bring it to you uh, differently. After September 11th, you could point me to something that happened that was anti-Muslim. But you cannot point me to a nation, meaning the United States, 
that went after Muslims after being attacked by terrorists trained in Saudi Arabia who wanted to destroy the West and who were Islamists, radical Islamic jihadists, however you want to say the words. You can't show me the country that said, let's get them, because it didn't happen. It's not true. What a disgusting, disgusting thing to say. What is true was that the country recognized the difference they recognized the difference between their neighbor and an Islamist a radical desperate for the worldwide caliphate so when you want to make this claim that we oppose anti-Semitism but we must not give in to Islamophobia You are engaging in a subject where one thing murdered 1,400 and another thing, yes, a person was murdered. And if you say to me, well, that's one versus 1,400, I'll say to you, we shouldn't have it in either way, in either case. I don't think that that's the way to look at it. But rather, let us look at what the society accepted or not. This child was murdered. And the country said, what the hell, man? What is this? And rightfully so. 1,400 Jews were murdered. 260 at a music festival as uh, these Islamists paraglided in and killed and raped and tortured and burned people alive. And I have got rallies on the street that say free, free Palestine. People chant from the river to the sea. And I have an unteen numbers of people in the hundreds of people who are posting everywhere in terms of what we've been told publicly. Man, I wish Hitler had finished the job. Man, uh, these Jews, these dirty Zionist pigs deserve it. People are getting fired left and right because of it, which I'm fine with. But it's everywhere. They're not condemning it en masse. The country's saying, well... And it's being led by members of Congress. So we're not talking about the same things, now are we? Further, to separate the idea of Islam and Islamophobia from the recognition that Islamists want Jews dead. That's a hard thing to do. The idea of separating the concepts of Islam and Islamophobia from the reality that Islamists want a worldwide caliphate. Islamophobia is a leftist buzzword. Always has been and always will be. Because we don't see some rash, irresponsible, unacceptable, unconstitutional, and despicable response. Oh, these people did this, so therefore everybody who looks like that has to go. We've seen it against Jews. So no, you don't get to compare them. This was one of the many things I saw wrong with Joe Biden's speech. But let's dig in. Are we about to take 
funding uh, or support for Israel and now bundle it with support for Ukraine. Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army, has the strategic breakdown. I'm Tony Katz. Turn it up! In his speech yesterday to the nation, President Biden certainly got some accolades. He, he got some attaboys. Uh, a recognition that Hamas is a terrorist organization uh, from Democrats in today's world is considered a whoo, look at you. So brave. So very brave. The speech itself had problems. The tone, the tenor. Sure, you could argue that those were right on point. But a speech that is tone and tenor, you're talking about the sizzle and not the substance. Sizzle said uh, in a sentence regarding Joe Biden. That's pretty funny. The substance brought about questions. Is Joe Biden, is his plan to so desperately tie Israel to Ukraine that funding happens for both? Should funding happen for both? At what numbers? Dependent upon one another? Is that a smart foreign policy? And when it comes to Israel, the attack from Hamas, a terrorist organization that murdered 1,400 and has captured American citizens, never mind killing American citizens, we should ask ourselves, well, Are we dependent upon Israel to get our citizens back? And if we're dependent upon Israel, them knowing the the terrain, them knowing the lay of the land, them certainly knowing Hamas, well, then we should be supporting them, which is different than whether or not we should be supporting Ukraine. And I say this as a guy who has said before that when it comes to ammunition, when it comes to the uh, artillery to defeat Russia, I'm fine with it. I know, I know we may disagree on that, but I think I can hold my own. But did Biden make a case that moves America and moves any level of policy? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. The conversations are getting super heavy. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now. Retired United States Army West Point graduate and does a tremendous amount of military analysis on radio and on television. And of course, with us all the time. Let me share with you, Major, what it is part of what President Biden said in that speech just yesterday. This is less war when connected. It benefits the people who would benefit the people of the Middle East and would benefit us. American leadership is what holds the world together. American alliances will keep us, America, safe. American values are what make us a partner that other nations want to work with. To put all that at risk, if we walk away from Ukraine, if we turn our backs on Israel, it's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Help us keep American troops out of harm's way. Help us build a world that is safer, more peaceful, more prosperous for our children and grandchildren. That major is is a heck of a statement that we fund uh, fighting in Ukraine, helping Ukraine fight the Russians, uh, that we will be safer uh, helping uh, Israel. We'll be safer. I don't know if that's conflation or not. Your take on his speech yesterday, sir. I think overall pretty good, Tony. I think, you know, I, I look at this through the eyes of a soldier, right? I don't look at the politics of it. I think that speech could have been made by a Republican on some level. Um, but as a, as a, soldier, you you hear your commander in chief talking about supporting uh, interest groups and supporting countries that have our same values, Uh, what's going on in Ukraine and what is uh, 
what happened in Israel. There are two separate wars. It's a conventional war taking place against the nuclear armed country in Ukraine. And then look how different the United States is acting with uh, the situation in Israel as there are no nuclear uh, opponents anywhere inside here. It's just, you know, obviously Iran uh, is is the proxy for what's happening there. So I, I've got a problem with what he said. And I think um, I think in, on, on, on balance and on, uh, you know, on, on record, I think that we're doing the right thing in both cases. Now, uh, you know that there are plenty of people on the political right uh, and, and I'm on the political right who who disagree with that, that the funding for Ukraine is going nowhere. We have never given a strategic objective uh, regarding the fight in, in Ukraine and very much so it has become a litmus test. What Biden is doing, it looks like to many, is taking advantage of an opportunity. Oh, look at this terrible attack on Israel. Wait a second. We can make this work for us. Is is it your take from people you speak to from analysis that that that's the case, that this is more craven than it looks like on the surface? Or is there a value as you see it? Well, they're not connected. I, they're two different things. I, I, you know, the analogy of supporting Ukraine is almost similar to what we supported, um, you know, the Mujahideen in Afghanistan by sending them stinger weapons. I mean, we're sending Ukraine things that it needs. Um, the artillery ammunition we saw the other day, ATACM, so that we're taking stocks that were expired that we would have to have destroyed or done something else with, and we're sending to them uh, that kind of equipment. It's still working for them. So I think, you know, it kind of, that kind of works out. So, I, you know, as long as we're not sending troops on the ground, you know, the scary word would be advisors, right? If we start sending advisors and they start getting involved, I think that uh, would be something that we have to be concerned about. But, but I think what's happening in Ukraine there and Israel are going to be two separate things. The Israelis right now are looking for um, the, the Iron Dome rockets made by Raytheon, and they're looking for small arms ammunition. Uh, the naval support, you've got now independently deployed destroyers in the Red Sea. I think that's what I took from that, that incident with uh, the Carney shooting down um, uh, those Hamas, uh, those, uh, um, those Houthi rockets. So, so, again, two different situations. And we're acting differently, again, because there's no nuclear power against us going on in the Middle East. So when you talk about those Houthi rebels, uh, those missiles from Yemen that were shot down by a, a U.S. destroyer that possibly were on their way to Israel, which would be Iran, which, of course, supports the Houthi rebels uh, engaging in attacking Israel from another side. Let me give you uh, two voices here, this, both candidates for president. This was former Vice President Mike Pence. I'm someone that believes that America is the leader of the free world. We're the arsenal of democracy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been a strong supporter of military aid uh, to the war fighters in Ukraine. I, I, I think it's absolutely in our national interest uh, to give Ukraine what they need to fight and repel the Russians, because I've, I've no doubt that if, if, uh, if, if Putin overruns Ukraine, it's not going to be long before he crosses a border where our men and women in uniform mm -hmm. have to fight. So I, w whether he should have paired them, but to, to make the case that we're the leader of free world. We ought to be supporting Israel shoulder to shoulder. No daylight between the U.S. and Israel. But I really do believe this. This is a moment in the wake of that failed and and feckless foreign policy of this administration. The disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, appeasement toward Iran and other actors in the world stage. We've got to get back to to leading the free world. Or frankly. Uh, the rest of the 21st century could look a whole lot more like the first half of the 20th century. 
So that's that's uh, former Vice President Pence even questioning whether the two things should be tied together, but clearly saying that funding should happen for both. This is Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Oh, well, we would have done almost everything different starting in January of 2021. I think Biden has uh, created a situation in the world through his fecklessness, his weakness uh, that has caused these problems to mount. I was struck with the speech. There is just a lack of overall strategic vision for what we're trying to do uh, as Americans. Uh, He never mentioned China, which is the top global threat to the United States. You know, he wasn't discussing the threats that are now in our own country due to his open border policy. And then the way he was trying to act like Ukraine and Israel are similar, they're they're different problems, uh, you know, that require different approaches. So so I think he missed the mark yet again. Uh, But ultimately, um, you know, we need leadership. Uh, Biden's not providing the leadership. And, you know, I also am very concerned about with the Israel because he'll say that Israel has a right to defend itself. But then, you know, he wants to send one hundred million dollars to the Gaza Strip. That money will be commandeered by Hamas terrorists. We know they run the show down there. So why would you want to be funding both sides of the conflict? He needs to let Israel do the job, uh, let him uh, annihilate Hamas. uh, And that's got to be the first order of business. I don't think you can play both sides of this. It just isn't going to work. They both discussed Joe Biden's foreign policy. So I want to ask you, when you see the Biden administration, a deputy White House spokesperson saying that Joe Biden is the first person to visit two war zones as president, they look at that as a brag. This isn't something to brag about. That means there are two wars under your watch. Former Chief of Staff Ron Klain said, you know, in moments like these, uh, thank God Biden is president and not Trump. But the question is, has this feckless foreign policy, as described by Pence and DeSantis, led to this moment? Your thoughts, Major? Yeah, in some ways it has, because deterrence is failing, right? For whatever reason, um, deterrence has failed now in Europe. It's failing in the Middle East. And uh, and I think we're going to find out whether the foreign policy is going to be successful or not, because maybe our enemies are now looking for that uh, red line in the sand that was drawn uh, by President Obama back in the day in Syria, and then nothing happened from it. Um, I think it was a positive sign that we're shooting those missiles down from Houthis. It's fundamentally we're shooting something coming from, from Iran. Uh, but I think that's the next test. Um, I think we, we, we're talking a great game right now. We're, 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 doing, we're doing all that. But I think the question is whether or not it's going to be enough to deter uh, our enemies as they continue to press us. And what is the red line? I, I, you know, the, the strategy in Ukraine is implied. It's just, it's just to hold off the Russians, keep the Russians from invading uh, Ukraine and taking it over, but that's that's a different mission than restoring Ukraine's original boundaries from prior to 2014. I, you know, they, they, he doesn't do a good job of explaining that, but that's what I perceive to be that the the mission there. The mission here in Israel now is destroy Hamas. I think there's going to be an issue of what next. You know, that whole expression as to what happens. So I think they'll win militarily, but they're going to have to do some ruthless things. They're going to have to destroy tunnels and and they're going to flood them they're going to they're going to do things they hadn't done before and i think the reason why they're not doing anything just yet is because they're concerned about those hostages because i once they have some large ground incursion i think that for all practical purposes uh it's and, going to be really difficult to them and the hostages are so much of this conversation because mm-hmm. not only do israelis have hostages uh, americans have hostages and some other nations have hostages as well yeah. so 
when when we look at that question, it leads to will there be, in your view, U.S. boots on the ground in Israel to help get American citizens out of Gaza? Well, you know, I, I hope not. And and if 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 it's only because we are can we can do something that uh, that no one else can do. Um, you know, it, it is unfortunate that that we haven't put more uh, emphasis on that. That they're holding Americans, and again, get back to that deterrence factor. If the enemy was concerned about that, but um, I'm we've like we likely have um, supporters and and you know people helping the IDF do this. I think it was a good sign that we released that video or that, that audio from uh, the two terrorist organizations talking about the failed um, bombing in, ho- in the hospital because it shows we're listening in. So we're collecting intelligence on it. But, uh, you know, to, to try to to get these these hostages, babies, elderly people, they're, they're going to be, you know, they're going to have to be carried out. This is not a situation where anyone's walking out of that a- anytime soon. So I, I don't know. I, I don't see you're going to see large troop formations. You're not going to see Marines hitting the beachhead or anything like that. Um, but but don't get me wrong. The fuse was lit October 7th, and that fuse is still burning. Uh, that fuse could lead to explosions in the north. That fuse could lead to um, uh, Israel having to defend itself from the West Bank. We're, we're ways from being over or getting any kind of peaceful resolution anytime soon. And and I'm certainly not somebody who follows along the lines of ceasefire, have to have a, a ceasefire. It seems to be a, a radical proposition when hostages are on the ground. And this all ends if Hamas gives back the hostages. Ukraine, you've got Israel. You have, uh, of course, uh, you have to wonder whether China is taking a much even stronger look at Taiwan, saying the U.S. is very much distracted. Now is very much the time. And of course, China and Iran and Russia having uh, that uh, relationship. Is the U.S. military ready for all this? You know, there's there's a lot on the plate of the military right now. Um, Each of the different branches have got their um, challenges um, recruiting on one side. You know, the Army's in trouble recruiting right now. Um, You know, the Navy is still trying to uh, maintain an old fleet of ships. They're decommissioning ships that that just came on board uh, eight to ten years ago that they thought were going to last a lot longer. Um, you know, the Air Force obviously continues to project power for us. But uh, I think I think we're at a spot where we haven't talked about looking at a two theater war since, you know, the Cold War. We said we would always be able to do that. Uh, and then that, you know, that goes away when the wall comes down in the 1990s, the Berlin Wall falls. We're back in a situation where we might have to do that. Um, we have a carrier. Uh, you know, the Ronald Reagan is in is in Japan, is in is in the Pacific. We've got two carrier groups right now. I think this is how we're going to project power for now. Um, but like anything else, readiness for the U.S. military is a function of preparedness. And our active duty forces are probably OK for now. But uh, if you look at history, when the United States you know, winds up the war machine, it doesn't go well for our enemies. And so I think uh, I think initially we'll have some challenges. Does that include under Joe Biden as president? I, I, I think the issue is going to be we're going to be tested uh, for our deterrence and whether or not they're, they're going to cross the red line. The question is whether we're going to respond militarily. And I think that's that's going to happen, I think, in the next uh, few weeks. And uh, again, that's, you know, again, we're talking great. But uh, but like Obama did back uh, before in Syria, he didn't do anything when they used gas. Trump, Donald Trump gets elected president and they do it the same thing again. And next thing you know, we've got, uh, you know, 30 cruise missiles, you know, landing in Syria. So 
You can catch my full conversation with Major Mike Lyons over at Rumble, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Go to TonyKatz.com and get everything. But we did have a, a part two, a pretty in-depth about if X, then Y, kind of moving the chess pieces. I will uh, bring that to you uh, as well. This is Tony Katz today. Apple cancels John Stewart. Yeah, the, the problem with John Stewart, I think, was the name of the show. They canceled it. And I would have been convinced that they canceled it because he's lost his edge. For everything John Stewart was to a generation, he was their news guy. Like it or don't like it, it doesn't matter. He was their news guy. He was at least interesting. It was a bit provocative. He was thinking in a, in a unique way. That all left when he went to Apple and... Uh, leftist dogma that's that's not who he's supposed to be tony katz tony katz today good to be with you well it turns out that apple has canceled the show because he was doing topics related to china and artificial intelligence apple didn't want a conversation about China because, of course, they build in China. They didn't want a conversation about artificial intelligence because you know they're going to play in it, and 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 that's it. So instead of canceling the show because Jon Stewart, he's, he's Cougar from Top Gun, he's lost the edge, he's got to turn in his wings, they cancel him because they didn't want to have a conversation about, you know, where they make their money about who they work with, their terrible partners. Oh, only Apple could screw that up. Well, no, maybe others screw it up. But man, did they just screw that up. I, I expect a response to be less people subscribing to Apple TV. This is Tony Katz today. Tony Katz.